I am just so honored to be able to speak with my, my friends, my friends, my family this morning. It's just tr truly a blessing. This week, Pastor was just so worn out. He was just tired, and he was talking about going home and studying and getting ready to prepare. And I just looked at him, and I said, you know, if you need me to speak, I'll speak. Uh, I, you know, I feel that God has prepared me and released me to step back into my gift, because y'all know I've been out a long time from the pulpit. Amen. But I just thank God for the process that he has taken me through, and it is an honor to be here. And ladies, I just want to just make a shout out because we did not get the, out, the announcement in, in, into the announcement today. But on May 30th, we are going to be at Washington Park from 11 to 2 o'clock to do our prayer walk and our fun brown bag lunch activities. So mark your calendars, and we will get that announcement out. We will get some flyers for you out. But I want to make sure that you are aware of that. And then in July, we're going to have a tea with a hatitude. So start looking for your hat. Amen. And come out. We're going to have a lot of fun. Amen. Amen. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of the beautiful mothers in the house. Amen. Let's give me a hand of praise. I'm not sure. I hope mom, I hope my mother is watching online. Mama, I love you. She is so funny. Me and Eddie were talking to her this week. She tries to log in every week and can never get connected. So I sent my sister a text and told her, please help mom log in. So mama, I love you. You are my heart. And I wish you a happy Mother's Day this morning if she's watching. Amen. And to all of our online viewers, happy Mother's Day. God bless you. And just be safe. It is snowing in Denver today like ain't nobody's business, but it's okay. Amen. God is just watering the earth. Amen. Amen. This morning, I am excited because God just always confirms his word. And when the young lady got up and uh, danced to the song, Take Me to the King, it was just confirmation that God had really been speaking to me. And when Bishop got up and talked about your changes coming, I'm just like, okay, Lord, you really were talking to me this week. Because sometimes I'd be like, is that me or is that God? So I just praise God and we're going to have a good time. Amen. For those who don't know me, I am crazy. <laughs> I have a, a really weird sense of humor, so I might say some things. Just, you know, that's just me. That's just my personality. But this morning, I just want to share with you what God has just been putting on my heart. Amen? So just let us pray. Father God, I come, Father God, and I stand before you, Lord, in total worship. God, you are my healer. You are my keeper. God, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this snow, God. We thank you for this covering that you are watering your earth, God. So Holy Spirit, come into this place and water our hearts, God. Make that fallow ground soft, God. For that hardened heart that we've had, God, drench it, God, with your word, Lord. Father God, as I speak, Lord, I ask that you control my tongue, control my thoughts, God. I step back, Lord, so that you can step in. Holy Spirit, let me speak what you have given me and nothing else. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So this morning, it's not really a Mother's Day kind of sermon, but it's just a word that God had given me that I had had the opportunity to speak last week at a conference. And so if you would, if you would just turn to the book of Esther, and I'm pretty sure many of you are familiar with this story. And the more I read this book, the, I was just literally in tears laughing because it's just, just such a comical story when you really just get down and you really start looking at it. So I encourage you to go home and just read, the, the, read it about two or three times. Read the entire book. It's not that long. And just hear what God is saying to you 
in this. But we're going to look at um, the story of Esther. And Esther, really, to me, what I got out of it, it's kind of like a par parallel of Daniel. It's the female version of the story of Daniel because there's so much similarity between the two stories. So we're going to pick up at um, Esther chapter 4, but then we're going to back up to Esther chapter 2. And so I'm just going to read Esther chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape more than all the other Jews, any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent, at this time relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to re reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So this morning I want to talk about preparing yourself, taking the risk, and going in. Amen? Pastor has been, has been preaching a series coming out of Exodus, and they're getting ready to cross and go over into the land of Canaan, and we've started a new campaign, and it's simply called I'm in. Amen? And a lot of us have heard it. A lot of us are thinking about it. But God wants, you, I just want you to know that God wants you to know before you go in, there are some preparations that need to be made. Amen? When Canaan, when Caleb and Joshua and Caleb got to the, to the uh, brink of Canaan, 12 people went in, but only two of them really went in. Amen? And so we, we are no different we are no different. We're a, we're a church of about 700 people, and I can guarantee you only about 20% 20, 20 of us will really go in. Only 20% of us will really give into the mission and the vision that God has given us. But if you want to be one of the ones to go in, you need to prepare yourself. See, preparation precedes your purpose. And I just want to know, is it your time? Is it your time? So we're going to look at Esther here, and I'm just going to give you a quick overview of Esther. So what's happening now is that King Xerxes is sitting on the throne. He is a king of Persia, and he's in the, the, his third year. And he is throwing some parties out of this world. I mean, week-long parties, just just all the, the, the um, nations are coming, all the different colonies are coming in, and they are partying, and he is bragging, and he is boasting, and he has prepared this beautiful event for all of them. And so within the confines of this party, there's a Jewish family, and there's a, a, a man by the name of Mordecai, and Mordecai is Esther's cousin. And, and he is, not only is he a cousin, but, es, but Mordecai is kind of a, a political fill, a figure in the, in, throughout this region. And so they're just minding their own business, and they're, they're in this, 
this colony um, called in, in Susa. So as the story goes on and the story picks up, they're having this grand feast. And there's this queen named Vashti. Amen, ladies. I'm going to tell you about Vashti. I'm going to tell you about that spirit. And so the king, she even gives her own banquet. And so the king, they're just drinking and just consuming wine and partying. And the king is so happy. And he calls for his beautiful wife, Vashti, the queen, to come out so he can show everybody, show her off and show her everybody how beautiful she is. And so he summons her and Queen Vashti's like, please, I ain't going out there. So she does not go out. And he summons her and her attitude, she just would not go out and she didn't want to do the, you know, the little walk and all that. She didn't want to do none of that. She wouldn't have nothing to do with it. She was irritated, obviously, about something. So she doesn't go, she doesn't go out. And she embarrasses the kings in front of all of these dignitaries. Her attitude was that, who are you? I'm going to do me. Now, we know Vashti, ladies, okay? Y'all know who Vashti is. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Amen. Vashti is that attitude, that spirit of rebellion that often can come up in us. Amen? I got a little Vashti in me, and you got a little Vashti in you. Amen? But in order to get in, we have got to learn how to control Vashti. See, Vashti was already in, but she got put out. So don't think that just because you're in, you can't get put out because you can get put out. So this story is going to center around three characters, and those characters are Mordecai, Haman, and Esther. So I just want to jump back to Esther verse 2 and pick up just two, read 2, 5 through 7. It says, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shemai, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. And I want you to listen to where his heritage is coming from. He is a Benjamite. You all remember the tribe of Benjamin. You remember the story of Joseph. You remember his younger brother, Benjamin. He is from this clan. He is from the clan of Benjamin, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captivities with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had carried away. You all know the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the one that Daniel had, had to deal with. He built this beautiful throne of himself, wanted people to bow down. Daniel then went and bowed down to it. Man went crazy. He out in the field eating grass. Just, just went crazy. Well, Mordecai them had gotten caught up in that situation, and they were, they were exiled into Babylon through King Nebuchadnezzar. And then verse 7, he says... He was bringing up Hadasha, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle. She had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and mother had died, Mordecai took her in as his own daughter. So as we go through this story, I want to just quickly just kind of give you some significance of the names of these main three characters. So we have King Artaxerxes, and we have Vashti, who has been dethroned, and now we have Mordecai. So Mordecai, his name means watchful servant, devoted warrior. He was a Benjamite, a descendant of Kish, who was the father of King Saul. He was exiled from Jerusalem during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. And then there's this character called Haman. 
Now, Haman's name means evil one. He was an Agite, a, dis- a descendant of the Agis, the king of the king of the Amalekites. Now, we've all just got out of Egypt, and we know who the Amalekites were and why they had to take the 40-day journey and all that. So they were arch enemies with, of the Israel, Israelites. And Haman was also a Persian official. He was trusted advisor to the king, Xerxes. In other words, he was an elder. Amen? In, in the king's reign, there were men who surrounded him that gave him advice, that gave him wise counsel. And Haman was that one that was right next to the pastor. He was like Derek. He was right there, right next to the pastor. And, and because of his position, his position got into his head. I'm not talking about the elder Derek. Not at all. But, you ain't <laughs> but his position got into his head, and he was actually seeking to become the next king. And he was full of himself. Do you know, you know people like that. I mean, he was so full of himself, so arrogant. you got to read the story because it really will crack you up. But he was a really arrogant person. And he did everything to get the attention of the king and to get the attention of the people. Now, this, this whole setting takes place in the garden in the court of the king's. And when I read that, that it took place in a garden, it took me back to the Garden of Eden because God always starts things in a garden. And so here we have this whole scenario which is happening in the courts of a garden. And we here we have Haman just running around acting like Bucky and the fool, trying to get positioned and trying to make everybody, you know, look at him and everything. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted people to bow down to him. He wanted people to recognize what he had done. But Mordecai was not having it. Mordecai was like, I wish I would bow down to you. You are nothing but a mere man. And so here we have Haman. And then we have Esther. Esther's real name is Hadasha. And Hadasha is, is her birth name. And Hadasha means a myrtle tree. Now, this tree is very common in Israel. If you were to go there today, you would see the myrtle tree. It can grow up to 30 feet high. It blooms a beautiful flower. It's very fragrant, and it also blooms a berry, which can be eaten. And so the, a myrtle tree grows best in a stony ground, in a hard condition. And so here we have this young lady, Hadasha, who's being taken from her familiar place, put in a garden where there's a lot of stony ground. But that myrtle tree is designed by God to flourish and grow in a, stor- in a, in a stony place. Amen? So I want you to know, restoration is a stony place, okay? We got all kinds of people. We got people with attitude. We got people on drugs. We got drunks. We got, I mean, we have such a mixture of stony things in our lives. But even though it's stony, it's still fertile ground. So if God has planted you here, I want you to understand that you just, you know how how us church folks will uproot and go somewhere. I don't don't like that. They hurt my feelings. They did this. They said that. But God might have you in this stony place that he can grow you up for such a time as this. So here we have Hadasha, this myrtle tree planted in the garden of King Xerxes, a stony place. 
Now, the name Esther, it has a compound meaning. It actually means evil, harm, and the root word, plus the root word of it means to circle like a dove, to, to spy out, to search out. And in the Hebrew word, Esther would mean she searches out evil. It also has another root word on it, and that's the word asar, and that means to tie, to bind, to bound up, to gird up um, into a binding obligation. So we have this woman who's planted in this garden of stony ground, searching out evil. She don't even know that she, she don't even realize what she's doing. Searching out evil and binding, making binding obligations. And finally, uh, the root word means to hide or conceal. And so in the Hebrew, it's called, Esther is also known as, I'm a hiding place. Amen. Now, when you were a kid, where, where would you hide when you played hide and seek? You would climb a tree, amen, and hide because that tree symbolized covering. And this myrtle tree had big green leafy leaves, and it was strong and favorite. And the thing about it is that it didn't have bark. It was smooth. It didn't have that rough bark around it. And so here we have this beautiful woman that is, that, that is so beautiful, and she's been put in this position. So Esther's name becomes her mission. She was there to search out evil. She was there to make binding obligations and all of this while she was hiding. But Esther didn't realize that until further in the story. That's why you need to go back and really read the story to understand it. So Esther's name became her mission. She was that myrtle tree. She was that person that God had appointed for such a time as this. And she was in the garden and going on about her business. So here we have this exiled family that, that was loving God, living peacefully, and, and, and minding their own business. And Mordecai being a, was her cousin, but he was not only looking out for his, his family, but he was also looking out for his people. Amen? And that's why we have these, these gray ribbons today, because we have a a beautiful woman of God that attends this church, and her daughter's going in through brain cancer. Her name is Candy Jones. She's not here today. So as Mordecai watched over us, we have to learn how to watch over each other, amen? We have to learn how to lift each other up in prayer. We have to really be family, not just the word, but really be it. And so Mordecai was that guy who kept his eyes to the ground, his ears to the ground, kept his eyes open, and he was a political figure. So what had happened was, Mordecai would always come to the gates and the courts, and he heard some stuff going on that was about to get, go down where they were getting ready to take King Xerxes out, probably crafted by the hand of Haman, but he, was, he had heard some information that, you know, that was going on. I'm jumping ahead of myself. So Vashti is, it has been you know, sat down, put in her place, and so through divine provinces, the elders, the, the, the men of God come together, well, the men of the courts come together, and they decide, well, you know, we can't have that because what Vashti has done is just going to start a whole nother revolution. And all these women going to start raising up. We, you know, women's lib. They thinking they can do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when we want to do it. And so they put out a decree 
to, to they dethroned Vashti and then they put out a decree to replace her. So what they did is that they called all the beautiful young virgins from all the different citadels, from all the different places in the regions to come. And what they were doing was they were looking for a new queen. And so that's how Esther ends up in the garden because she was brought in because she was a beautiful young lady. She had a beautiful body. And so they brought her in as a potential harem, to live in the harem, to maybe become a potential wife or the potential queen. So it wasn't set in stone. She just went and she was obedient to what her cousin Mordecai had said because Mordecai knew if I can get her in, I can really find out what's going on. So if we look at Esther chapter 2, we're going to look at what happened when Esther entered into the king's harem. So when the king's order and his etiquette were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther, who was also taken into the, into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge over the women. So here Esther is, young, beautiful girl, don't really know much about life yet, and she's brought in and accepted into the king's courtyard. And she's put, a eunuch by the name of Haggai is put in charge over these women. And so the first thing I want, want you to see is that Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in the custody of Haggai, who had, who had charge over the women. Verse 8 says to me that Hester, in order to get in, you need to submit to authority. Amen? Amen, ladies? We need to submit to authority. So just as you're coming into this church, just as you're, you're, you're new, you know, you might be new here or something, and don't have that spirit of Haman where you think, I want to preach. I want to get the mic. I got a gift. God's done this for me and God's done that for me. And so many people come into the house of God and they want to be noticed and they want to take position. But God says, in order to get in, you need to submit to authority. Okay? It's not about you getting the mic. It's not about you leading that song. It's not about you heading up a ministry. It's about the preparation that needs to take place so you don't get up and kill God's people. Amen? So the first thing she had to do was submit to authority. In Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So I'm going to throw a little bit of Mother's Day in here, a little bit of, a little bit of female stuff. Women, amen, if you want to get in, submit, amen, learn to submit, it's not a bad word, don't be afraid of it, don't be scared, I know some men, I ain't submitting to nothing, that's that Vashti spirit, because Vashti, Vashti had, had the authority to go out and she could do all that she wanted, she had all the resources of the king, but she didn't know how to handle it, so in order for you to learn how to get in, you must learn how to submit, so in verse 9 it says, And the young women pleased him, and this is Esther, pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with cosmetics and her portion of food 
and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and the young women to the best place in the harem. Submission will get you some things, amen? Amen. When you submit to, to our Heavenly Father, it's going to take you to the next level. So Esther goes in and she submits to this eunuch and she, and she listens to what she, he says and she begins to follow his instructions and then he, she wins the favor of this eunuch and he begins to take her in. He, he just liked her. He was like, I like Esther. And because of that, he takes her, she, you know, she wasn't down in the dorms anymore because all, you know, you know, you can make her all the cat fighting that was going on down in the dorms with all the women trying to become the next queen. He found favor in her and he moved her up to the nicest place in the palace. So verse 9 says, it shows us that in, in submission, you will find favor. In 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your, be your, beauty, should not, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as the elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Okay, so we have a lot of single ladies in here. And I know we have some sisters in this church that are looking for a husband. Amen. Looking for their king. You can't catch a king looking like you just came off Kofax. You can't catch a king with your body. You can't, I don't care if you, 36, 24, 36, you can't keep a man with a 36, 24, 36. The only way you're going to keep a man is to have a quiet and gentle spirit, amen, to have a reverence for God. Esther was a beautiful young woman. She got put into a situation where she won the heart of a eunuch. Now, y'all know what a eunuch is. A eunuch is a man that has been castrated. But yet and still, she won his heart. And her behavior eventually won the heart of King Xerxes. Now, you know that they was coming out. You know, Shanique, but they was all coming out. Girl, we going to see the queen. <laughs> we going to see the king. You know, there was so much. I could just, it's so funny. The story's so funny for me. Because I could just imagine everybody, you know, with their little miniskirts, their little high heels, and they makeup all over the place, looking crazy, trying to catch a queen, trying to catch the eye of the king. But Esther just walks in, and Esther was just herself. She didn't have to do, she was already beautiful. She already knew who she was in Christ. And so she just came in and was just who she was. And she had been raised in a house, in a Christian home, where she knew how to carry herself. So ladies, as you come in and you're looking for that man of God, if that's your main focus, it's going to be in your main focus till you die. Because God's not going to bless you if you're looking for the king, because you'd be looking for the king, not a king. Not, the one that, not someone to take care of you, but someone that you can entrust your soul to. So if you're looking for a king this morning, you need to be quiet, close your mouth, and learn to submit. Amen? And win some favor. 
Amen. So, as we, keep, as we go on, in uh, verse 10, oh, I've already been there. And so, <laughs> in verse 15, it says, when the, the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abil, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing. She asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now, Esther was winning favor in all of the eyes who saw her. So here it is. Esther is about to go to the king. But before she even got there, they had spent, already spent a year in the palace. They had spent a year just in preparation to see the king. Six months of bathing, six months of bathing in myrrh. Myrrh is an ointment that purifies you. So she was being purified for six months. She was getting rid of her stank attitude. She was getting rid of her, you know, all those things that, that just aren't of God. So ladies, you, you might need to just go soak in some myrrh, amen. And that the purification and sanctification of God come out of your pores. That will help you get a king. Amen? So she had six months of, 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 of bathing in myrrh, and then there was another six months of perfumes and everything. So when she, when she walked into the room, you, you could literally smell the glory of God on her. Amen? And so... She had been in preparation for a year before she even got a glimpse of King Xerxes. And so the eunuch had, had told her, you know, all these other girls in there, they go, I want this and I want that, you know, because they, they could take anything that they wanted. They could take anything that they wanted to take. Now, I can imagine some of them was just dragging stuff in to see the king. Like, I want this, and I want a car, and I need this, and I need you to help me pay my bills and help me with my kids. And, you know, all of this craziness. But Esther didn't, she went in, she didn't ask for nothing. She didn't do anything. She only did what the eunuch had advised her. And so she waited for her timing. She waited for her timing. And so she approached him in such a humble heart. When King Xerxes looked upon her, his heart was attracted to her. She was beautiful. She was fine. But something turned in his heart. When you can turn a man's heart, you getting in. Amen? So he told her, don't ask for anything. And so she didn't. She only took what he or took or did what he advised her. And then verse 16, when Esther was taking the king of Xerxes into the royal palace in the tenth month, in the tenth month, tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. So I, this this really caught me because I thought when the story started off, he was in the third year of his reign. Esther was there for a year getting prepared. But it wasn't until the seventh year that she was prevented for him. You got to learn to wait for God's timing. Amen? Amen. 
She didn't rush the issue. She didn't try and make things happen. She didn't try and grab his attention. She wasn't running up to the palace ironing his clothes. She wasn't washing for him. She wasn't cooking for him. She wasn't doing, you know how y'all be trying to catch a man. Y'all try and catch a man in all the wrong ways. She wasn't, can I do this for you? Can I do that? She wasn't doing wifely duties for the king. She was home preparing herself to be presented. Amen? And so you have got to learn to wait for God's timing. And in verse 17, it says, The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the other versions, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Ashti. One of the things that struck me is that this was an unequally yoked marriage. So for those of you who have entered into an unequally yoked marriage, take notes from Esther, amen? Because she was living in a pagan system with a pagan king. She was a Jew, but yet and still she was able to win his heart. Then the king gave a feast for all the officials and servants, and it was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes and provinces and gave gifts with generosity. So here we have this young Jewish girl that nobody knows she's a Jew. They all think she's one of them. But God places her in this unfamiliar environment. And she sat back for seven years and she learned the culture and she learned what she had to do, not really understanding what's going on. And all the time her covering, her cousin Mordecai is keeping watch over and they're communicating through the gates because she could not see, she could not exit and he could not enter. And so during the process, I can imagine that there were times when Esther would cry and she would long for home and she just wanted, you know, to just sit down and hang out with her family. But she stayed true to what God had for her. And so this morning I want to encourage you that this place right here, Restoration Christian Fellowship, it's a garden. It's a place where God has planted you. Don't rush God's process. Whatever God's timing is, be settled with that in your heart. It took me 12 years to become an elder in this place. I am the, past, the senior pastor's wife. Amen? I had some vashti in me, okay? <laughs> I'm going to just be honest with you. I had some vashti in me. I almost missed out on what God had for me to do. But just back in November, God said, oh, I see some Esther. Amen. We're going to go ahead and make you an elder. Amen. So you know, you just have to wait on God's timing. Don't, don't rush. God's doing something awesome here. Like the bishop said, a change is taking place. Amen. So what you need to do is water your myrtle tree. Amen. Extend your roots. <laughs> because that myrtle tree can take the, the wind and it can take all the pressure of life with it. But when you're, in, when, you're, when you're in the right garden, God is able to grow you up. 
You know, some of us just want to get up so quick and we want to pass down, I want to preach. I come from such and so Baptist church down the street and I have this and I have my degree and I got my papers and you know. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So if you're doing that, let me just let you know right now, it ain't going to happen in restoration. Amen. We're going to take you through a process of restoration. Amen. So that you can be a myrtle tree to those that are coming in, to those that are seeking to be healed, to those that are lost, to those that are hurting. Esther's obedience caused her to be in position for such a time as this, where she was able to save the entire nation of Israel. See, Haman had set out to get in position, and he could not stand the fact that Mordecai would not bow down to him. So Haman despised a plan to kill Mordecai. But, and as he went to the king and asked the king, yeah, this guy out here, he ain't bowing down. He's not, you know, obeying the laws of the land. And so he went to the king and asked the king, can I have permission to kill Mordecai? But he didn't only want to kill Mordecai. He said, you know, I'm going to take all these Jews out. I'm done with all of them. I'm going to take them all out. And the king grants him permission to hang and kill Mordecai. And so he's all excited. He's like, oh, I got him. I got him. But a few years back, Mordecai, who has a political ear and had his, eye, his ears to the ground, had unraveled a plan to kill the king. So that night, the king could not sleep. I mean, he was up all night. He was like, what in the world? So he calls in his, his men to come in and read from the Chronicles. And as he's reading from the Chronicles, they go over this, this place, over this story where Mordecai had saved his life. And the king's like, who is this Mordecai? Well, has anything been done for him? And they were like, no, nothing's ever been done for him. And so it's early in the morning. Haman's in the... In the in the foyer of, the, of the, the palace, and the king's like, we need to honor this man. He has done a great thing. Haman's so full of himself, he thinks they're talking about him. So he's like, oh, shooky, yeah, I'm getting ready to get it. I'm getting ready to get mine. So the king asks, who is that in the court? And it's Mordecai. And Mordecai comes in, and I mean, it's Haman, and Haman comes in, and Haman, and he's like, what should we do for this patient? Oh, my king, you should let him wear your robe, and you should put him on your horse, and you should set a crown on the horse's head, and you should parade him through the streets, and you should just honor him. Such a man needs to be honored. And the king goes, you're right. That's exactly what I will do. Every word you said, I want you to carry it out. Now go get Mordecai and put him on my horse, and I want you to dress him. And I want you to parade him down the street. And I want you to announce him as that he has won favor with the king. Now, you know, boy, you know Haman was jacked up. <laughs> so here he goes. He's got to get the man he's trying to kill. And he's got to put a robe over him. And he's got to take him to the streets. And he's got to parade him around. And he's got to proclaim how great this man is. Mordecai gets back to the palace. He runs home crying to his wife and his family. Y'all got to read this story. It's hilarious. And so he had already set out the decree to kill the Jews. And so now here, we, here the story starts coming into fruition. Because Mordecai, in the, in the very first verse that I wrote, he sends a message to Esther. And he says, Esther, they're about to kill us all. And Esther was 
not really hesitant, but she was kind of like, what am I going to do with this situation? They're about to annihilate my people, God. What am I to do? And so she tells, she sends words to Mordecai. I cannot go to the king. I just can't present myself before him because it is written in law that you just can't roll up on the king like that. You have to have permission. And she goes, and I have not been summoned to, by him in 30 days. It's been 30 days since I've even seen him, Mordecai. What am I to do? And Mordecai responds to her and he says, in, in, the, in the verse 14, he says, For if you keep silent, at this time, relief and deliverance will rise up for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you, are, you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So he reminded her that, baby, you ain't where you are just because of where you are. This is the divine hand of God. And if you read the scripture, you don't hear anything about God in it. You don't even hear the name of God. But you can see his hand threading this and piecing the story together. And so Esther, with her beautiful self, takes the risk. She puts on her finery. She, she decked herself out. And she put on her crown. And she timidly walks to the court where the king is. And I'm pretty sure her heart is palpitating. She's, she's nervous. She's scared. Her stomach is queasy because she knows that she can be killed for entering his presence without an appointment. And so she just, once again, she quietly stands. And the king takes notice of her, and he holds out his scepter to her. And she walks up, and she touches the scepter. And he says, baby, you look so good. What you, what's the matter, baby? <laughs> and Esther begins to tell him, if you love me, then will you save my people? She reveals to him that I'm a Jew, that I'm here in this place, but I love you, King. I love you, <laughs> you know. And she, she had positioned herself into a place where she had won the heart of him. So when he finds out that she's a Jew, it, it don't even, you know, he just like, he could have had her killed right there on the spot. But his heart was already entangled in her. And he loved her and he asked her, who, who, who's trying to kill? Who's, who is this trying to kill your people? Who's trying to, to wipe out your nation? And, and Haman is right there. And she says, Haman. <laughs> and the king got, so he was heated. So the king you know, the king says, oh, no, oh, no, we're going to take care of this. So the king put out, so they drag, the king goes away. Haman is in there begging and crying over, please, Esther, please, please don't. And, and, and the king walks back in, and he's all over Esther, and he says, oh, will you defile my wife in my palace? So they take um, Haman out, and they, they kill him. They hang him on the same pole that he had set up for Mordecai. Don't you know God will take care of your enemies? Amen. God will take care of your enemies. God will make all things new. God will make those hard places. He'll make a change in them. So Esther, she said, I'm going to see the king. I don't have nothing, but I'm going to see the king. And if I perish, let me perish. 
but I'm going in. Amen? I just want to know how many of you this morning are going to say, I'm in. I'm in. Amen? I will follow the process. I will prepare myself. God's about to take us into our Canaan land. Amen? And I am in. Hallelujah. God bless you.